Welcome to Vice and Easy, your podcast for all things Miami Vice, with your host, Marina. Hello, and welcome back to Vice and Easy. This week, we're breaking down Season 3, Episode 3, entitled Kill Shot. The summary on IMDb was a little long-winded, so let me redo the summary from the Miami Vice Wikia. A U.S. Customs Service agent is blackmailed for important codes by a drug dealer that the Vice Squad is after. We have lots of great music this episode, we have a lot of action, and we have hunky high ally players. So let's get started. We open up on a port of Miami. I'm not sure exactly which one, but we do have a great song playing in the background in this next clip. I got a big buyer in from New York. We'd like to meet Morales. I thought about that. The answer's still no. You only deal through me. So that is Crockett posing as Burnett with Sylvia, who, as we heard in the first clip, and their boss, Morales, who Burnett and the Vice Squad really want to get close to. And Silvio not really willing to budge on that issue. Now, Zwitek is with a gentleman we've not seen before, who, as you can see in the gallery that you can find in every single episode description of the Vice and Easy podcast, you can find it on Spotify, you can find it on Apple. If you just scroll down to the scripter, We'll see the link to the gallery because I want you to check out his outfit. He looks like a 1950s gumshoe, like one of those early rising the ranks detectives. <laughs> it just looks so out of place for Miami. And I understand that he's somewhat of a fed. He's a U.S. customs agent that is working together with Vice to try to nail this Morales character, this mythical Morales character that we're all talking about. So after Zwitek and the customs agent... Um, and his last name is Ariola. Yes, like the nipple, exactly. <laughs> so after they, quote unquote, bust the deal, we see a blown up boat. And then we see Burnett and Silvio turn a corner, turn the boat off, turn the lights off. And Zwitek and his partner, temporary partner, Zito's not seen in this whole episode and not really touched on within the plot as to why. So we have no reason for his absence and as they pass by Silvio and Burnett still continue to go at it and they're not going to be making an agreement in this next clip you tell Morales he'll get his money back just as soon as you set up the meet he'll kill you I'll take my chances take me back to town dead man take a taxi this is very smart Crockett as Burnett is going to expedite this process to actually get in front of Morales by holding Morales's money hostage along with the product. So Silvio, his middleman, really looks bad here. And obviously, as you could tell by the two clips, there is no love lost between the two. So we come back from the intro and we are back at the precinct at OCB with this customs agent that apparently goes all long way back with Crockett. And now speaking of Crockett, but because of what Crockett did as Burnett, there's a little bit of a risk of him going back home. So Castillo doesn't want him to go home. He wants Zoytek to keep an eye on the St. Vitus dance and someone else that Zoytek has to keep an eye on in this next clip. Has Elvis been eating lately? Detectives. <laughs> 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 so while Burnett, a.k.a. Crockett, is a wanted man, he's going to spend the night at Tubbs' place for the time being. And Crockett asks Frank if, hey, you know, can Uncle Sam take a few vice cups out to dinner? And he says, unfortunately not. He has dinner plans with his brother, but he can bring them along to see the last of his brother's game. And with that, we transition to High Ally. Now, High Ally is not as popular as it was in the 1980s when I was doing research for this. All the High Ally courts, the High Ally court that you see in this episode and other High Ally courts in Miami have now been converted to casinos rather than just being a fronton, I'm pronouncing that correctly, for High Ally games and spectators. And also there's a very big gambling component, as we can see in the little montage, all bets, all cash, just see, you know, people picking their players 
And it does look incredibly interesting. It is very dangerous. My first note was, why aren't they wearing glasses? Because even just playing squash, you always have to have glasses to step onto the court. Or goggles, I should say. So I was a little surprised. I was like, I understand the ball's a little bigger, so it's not as much of a risk as just taking your eye. But that's still, I want a little bit more protection, (laughs) you know? That's just me. Google told me that it was a diminutive for someone from Costa Rica. Also, possibly a nickname for the name Alberto. All right, going to leave that there. If you have any idea what Tico is actually short for, please let me know. Now, as Frank Crockett and Tubbs are the audience, it is a raucous event. And it is very funny. We get a little bit of joking and then we get a little bit of foreshadowing in these next two clips. Is in the play. For Tico, this is not a sport, it's an art. And the ball moves at 150 miles an hour. The art is in staying alive. Yeah. One hit in the head, you're a memory. Ooh. Well, I don't have to tell you, with an episode named Killshaw, this does not have a happy ending. Miss it. But at least this match has a happy ending in this next clip. He's gonna, he's gonna finish him up with a Killshaw! No! Now Frank, Crockett, and Tubbs go to the locker room to see Tico, because Crockett and Tico are also familiar with each other. He's not there. One of the fellow highlight players tells him that he's already left, that he had a date. Frank's a little bit bewildered, because Tico knew that they had a date, that they were going out for dinner afterwards. So why would Tico stand up his brother? And then we see why as we transition. We see... Number one, please, if you are not driving, please go check out the gallery at viceandeasypodcast.com. Oh, my God. <laughs> I believe it's the same screen from Angelina's house in Sons and Lovers, the season two finale. Not only that, you have silk sheets. You have very erotic lighting. You have pink, blue, red tones in there. You have lingerie. You have... Fernando Allende's glorious mullet. He is playing Tico. You have him really kind of sweaty and strung out. It appears that him and the prostitute that he's visiting have a familiar relationship, but it starts to get a little weird in this next clip. What's the matter, Tico? Don't you want to play with me? You know I do. Do you like that stuff more than girls? Or maybe you want a little boy. Shut up. Is that it? Mrs. Hyalai? Shut up! Do you like little boys? Shut up! As you can tell, he's getting more and more angry with her, and it does end with him putting his hands on her, hitting her. She is lying face up on the bed. When we see the madam in the next scene, check her pulse. The madam says that she's dead. Tico starts freaking out, saying that he didn't mean it. Why would she say that to him? That, you know, he was really freaking out. And the madam assures him in this next clip. Listen, she's a tramp. She means nothing. Her life is unimportant. Yours is. You know I didn't mean it. Of course you didn't mean it. Listen to me. Go home. Say nothing. I'll take care of everything. Trust me. Ah, do not trust her, Tico, because after Tico is escorted out, the woman, the supposedly dead woman, wakes up, says that her madam owes her one and that she deserves a bonus. Madam just smiles at her and says, I'll take care of you. Both lies on that front. No surprise at all. Now, Tico heads home. He has a surprise. Not as bad of a surprise as he's already received tonight. His brother's Frank is waiting. Also, I think Frank and Crockett have a lot more in common than they seem because they're both very... What's the proper term? Socially inappropriate smokers in 2023 eyes. Imagine just waiting for your brother to get home at your brother's house and smoking a cigarette inside. 1986, totally fine, totally normal. Same with Crockett, just like, just inappropriately smoking. And then there's another scene in this episode where Frank is smoking in the locker room. I'm like, these are athletes about to go perform an incredibly strenuous 
cardio heavy sport and you're smoking in the change room. And it's no big deal. It's just so funny how things have changed. But uh, yes, very much big Crockett energy with that one. Oh, that should be a new hashtag. Or that could be a shirt. Oh, merch ideas. Big Crockett energy. Just smoking inside inappropriately. <laughs> Reconnected with your ex-wife. Smoking inside the morning after. Well, she's not smoking. She goes to it's the door. Oh, Crockett smoking in the pool. Oh, I just need to come up with I have been asked to make videos and just because like not really my forte and there's so much better content, obviously like Miami Vice art on Instagram that makes videos, but that could be my one video is just to make a compilation of Crockett and other characters smoking at socially unacceptable locations. (laughs) That's my plan. This is my 2023 energy. I'm just going to say yes to everything, explore everything do some research on smoking indoors in the 80s (laughs) so naturally frank and tico are not getting along in this scene frank wants to know why his brother skipped dinner his brother thinking that he just killed a prostitute obviously freaking out wants to be left alone um both look like a million bucks tico however unbuttoned blue shirt looking like a million dollars and even better it's not the only unbuttoned blue shirt complete with chains in this episode. He takes some more pills, washes them down with cognac. I want to say it's a fake Cavassier bottle. I think that's the writing I could kind of glean in the the footage that I mean, but whew. next scene, they find the same one from the brothel dead in the water. Now that's interesting. So we know as an audience that Tico did not kill her. Tico definitely roughed her up and we don't support that. He did not kill her. So we know the madam is behind this. But what could the madam have to gain? This is very interesting. Why would they frame Tico for this murder? And when they're pulling up the body by the waterfront, Castillo asks Jeannie and Trudy if they know anything. And they do recognize her. They were saying that she was on the streets a few years ago, but Gina did remember her full name. Now, Crockett and Tubbs are posing as Burnett and Cooper. To meet with Morales. Once again, I am so thankful for the gallery of this episode because there is so much, not just the interior decor of the salon of the yacht, the pants that Morales is wearing, these patterned silver and black shiny pants, and just with like a black silk dress shirt. Like it's not that loud altogether. Just these pants are wild. This is exactly the drug dealer that I would be dealing with. Better yet, the next picture I have is the briefcase that Morales is dealing with, where the wads of money are very strategically placed in the briefcase, like it's incredibly organized. And I just can't go over this. This might be one of my favorite yacht scenes in the series thus far. (laughs) There are a lot. It does take place in Miami. This one might take the cake. Now, let's get to business, not fashion. That's going to come a little later on in this episode. They're all negotiating. They can't really come to an agreement. Now, Burnett is basically heralding Cooper as being the legit money man of this deal. And Burnett's just, you know, kind of along for the ride, faking that he's very disinterested. There is a great picture. There's like a great 30 seconds of him wiping his sunglasses like you know when you breathe on them you wipe them with your shirt (laughs) i love it just the way they're playing this deal is chef's kiss my partner's in new york and i have uh, nine million dollars at our disposal (sighs) now the burnett tells me that uh, you're the man so here i am (sighs) (laughs) yeah you can hear you can hear him cleaning his sunglasses Oh, man. And now in this next part, Morales paints a bigger picture with just one sentence. Ding, ding, ding. So Burnett told me that uh, you've been having little problems with customs lately. (laughs) That is about to be rectified. Like, obviously, we all understood that as the audience, we saw Morales take that call, this mysterious call about two scenes ago. But with Crockett and Tubbs, they just had this interaction 
with the customs agent that wants to work on this deal because he wants to bust Morales because he was unable to around three years ago. That wouldn't set off any alarm bells in their head. Well, whatever. The deal doesn't end up coming to fruition. They end up just trying to negotiate. That doesn't work. So Morales will have someone, Silvio, follow up if indeed the deal is going to go down. Now we pull up at a little cafe called La Libertad Cafe that is still around to this day. I was looking at Google Maps and it seems like it's more of a market rather than just a coffee shop. So that is actually great if they were able to expand the space and they're still there on West Flagler Street. So I will try to put the address in the notes because I think that's super cool. Unfortunately, I don't think they still have the VLTs. <laughs> that stands for Video Lottery Terminal, I believe. Um, I just I call them VLTs because of that episode of Trailer Park Boys where Ray loses all the liquor money and it's the birth of the way she goes. <laughs> Which was like my motto for 2022 because of all the bad luck I have. Just like, it's the way she goes. Sometimes she goes, sometimes she doesn't go. It's just the way she goes. So that could have been my next tattoo. That might be. If 2023 is as bad as 2022, that will definitely be my next tattoo. <laughs> but I digress. It's just so weird to see VLTs at an open air cafe. Like, I understand it was like dark and dingy. They do this a lot in Central Europe where they're just VLTs, these inside casinos that are just really dingy. There's no roulette. There's no, it's not like Monaco. These are just basically bars with VLTs where you can just, they're not even real slot machines. Like it's, it's pretty sad. So this is exactly what this reminds me of. <laughs> Except it's beautiful weather and Crockett is now Burnett because as soon as he orders his cafecito with a very stylishly accessorized gentleman, barista, if you will, Silvio saddles up next to him, says his boss, we'll do business with him after all. And as Burnett is trying to get a little bit more information out of him, Silvio also mentions that he cannot wait to kill Burnett. Again, Crockett, as Burnett flags the barista down one more time for that cafecito, takes the shot as he's wrestling and has Silvio in a headlock. Now, there is a little bit of continuity error because we see Crockett have a cup of what I could assume be ice water. And then we also see like the little espresso shot of the, the Cuban coffee, like the espresso. And Silvio has all this ice in the back of his head that wasn't there just seconds prior. So I guess maybe in... One outtake of the scene, Crockett pours, like, his ice water over his head. Who knows? But basically, Silvio is still in the doghouse, but Burnett is still going to make this deal happen. Oh, man. Well, speaking of deals, remember our Madame Isabel Batista? She calls Frank. He, in a very kind of, like, stale office, you can tell it's definitely a Fed office because it kind of looks a little bit boring gray like not much there around which you can always tell whenever they visit a fed in the office it's kind of just like gray and drab so after she calls the brother he goes to her house to pay her a visit she shows him the tape of the attack and pauses on when tito tico is hitting her oh well she is tall dressed in all black silk and smoking inside i'm surprised frank is not smoking inside I would be stressed at this. And as they're talking, Morales pops up from the top floor. Oh, my God. All, all my notes are, look, the security guards, the incredibly buff security guards. Look at the decor. Look at everything. When Morales goes down to confront Frank, he says that the evidence is all there in color and then also in black and white hands him the newspaper that has the article about the dead prostitute in question. Again, if you want to go to the gallery, you can see what the article actually says because you can tell it's just kind of like a nothing burger article, which I thought was a really clever way to do this because they're still getting somewhat accuracy as if they're making it sound like a real important article, but they're not saying any subjects, they're not saying any names, they're not saying anything. So I think that's kind of just like a really good filler paragraph. I'm sure the props team just kind of had that paragraph waiting and just copy and paste 
on different articles so that if someone were to glance at the newspaper, it still looks like it's real words because there are real words. It's not like lorem ipsum. So that was really interesting. Now, obviously, I think they'd be like a little bit more specific with it, with the technology that we have today where we can freeze frame and make things into GIFs. But again, this didn't exist in 1986. You know, maybe you could pause on your VCR and you still have those tracking lines and you try to see what they wrote in the newspaper article. But also, as sad as it is, I don't really think that a murder of a sex worker would take up that much newspaper space in 1986. I know that's kind of sad, but I, fortunately, that's a very common theme that sex workers are targeted and that missing women, missing sex workers are not given the same attention as missing women of other professions, especially missing white women. So that has come a little bit farther from 1986, but I highly doubt, even in this day and age, that much space of a newspaper would be taken for a sex worker's murder, as sad as that is. Now, Frank asks Morales what he wants. He wants the U.S. Customs Security Codes in exchange for the tape of his brother. Speaking of whom, Morales takes one very clever dig at his brother in this next clip. Your little brother is muy macho on the cancha, but leaves a little to be desired between the sheets. Sorry, that is kind of funny. <laughs> However, this is all bad news for Frank. Three years ago, you almost put me away. Now I own you. <laughs> I spend a single day in jail. One. That tape goes to the police. Oof. Well, very bad news for Frank as we return back to the precinct. Where at OCB, Gina and Trudy are walking down the hallway. They pass Crockett and Tubbs. Crockett passes Gina a little friendlier than I remembered from past recent episodes. I made a gif of him kind of like sliding his hand across her waist. She asks if the Frank Ariola <laughs> has any connection to the hunky high lie player Tico Ariola. Crockett makes a little dig about him being too fast for her. Then they realize where they're called in. Isabel, the Isabel Batista, the madam, quote unquote, saw the news in the newspaper, knew it was one of the girls who used to work with her and came down to the precinct to be of any assistance. Interesting. Sounds a little fishy, right? Well, you can figure out the true colors in this next clip. When something happens to one of my employees, it's bad for business, so I thought I'd better come in. I'd like to have something done about it. Now, I've talked it over with my girls, and they don't seem to know anything. So you don't mind if we speak to them? No, of course not. I've given the lieutenant here their names and addresses. Did Jen Larkin have any regulars? Well, not that I'm aware of. Well, if there's anything else I can do, I hope you'll let me know. Now, if you had any doubts about her being diabolical by framing someone and killing one of her own sex workers. Uh, No surprise at all, because I think she's doing this to get ahead, to look good. And because, like Trudy says, none of the girls are going to talk. So, interesting. I think she's just blowing a lot of hot air and she's just trying to deflect. Surprise, surprise. Now, Frank, having heard what's going on, goes over to pay his little brother a visit in this next club. You always confided in me. You always told me everything. No, you have always told me everything. You have always treated me like a little boy. Go play high a lie. Become a champion. <laughs> I don't know how to deliver kills like so serious too the rest of the conversation Tico's being a little bit more vulnerable Frank telling him that he has no life outside of high lie and that he wants to go to the police Frank pushes the kibosh on that and tells Tico that they're using Tico as a way to get 
to Frank and that he's not going to let anything happen to his brother. More in the next clip. I've always made the decisions for both of us. All right. Sometimes wrong, okay. But this time, it's right. And they have provided us with a little bit of backstory. They have mentioned that Frank basically raised Tico from, I want to say, 11 or 12 years old when their parents died in an accident. So he's not only just a big brother, but he's a de facto father and father figure to Tico. So it makes a little bit more sense why he's so protective. Now we go back to OCB, where Crockett, Castillo, and Tubbs are going over DEA files of Morales. Frank pops in. Frank's a little pee that they haven't been keeping him informed. Again, Frank did try to bust Morales years ago, wasn't able to get the charges to stick. So he is a little bit more invested in this case. And especially because we know what Crockett and Tubbs and Castillo don't know is that now he's doubly, doubly, doubly invested in this case. Because remember, if Morales spends one night in jail, that video of his brother allegedly killing the sex worker will be sent to the police. After our scene at OCB, we see Frank pull up at Biscayne Bar and Grill. That's also a liquor store open until 5 a.m. Those are some wild hours until 5 a.m. And this does harken back to the pilot where Frank is making a call at the payphone with the glow of the neon behind him. He's not calling his ex-wife like Crockett was. He's actually calling Morales to let Morales know that the deal that he's made with Burnett and Cooper, they aren't who they appear to be. And he lets them know that they're actually Miami Vice. Now, speaking of Crockett, as Frank goes back to the High Life Fronton to watch Tico practice, Crockett stops by and they chat about the old days, the Morales meet, say that the Morales meet is long overdue and that they could use Frank's help. And they walk into the court after Tico and his training partner go to the showers, talk about their friendship, and he talks a little bit more about taking care of Tico. And he also mentions that he's Basque, which is very interesting. So I went on a deep dive of the Hialai slash casinos. And then I went onto the players and I was seeing where they're from. And obviously a big chunk of them come from Basque because they were going to University of Basque Country. So then I did a little bit of research into the Basque language because basically one of the players went to this university and I couldn't figure it out. So I put it into Google and I couldn't understand any of the words in front of me. I was like, whoa, I definitely got something different. So this is the oldest language in Western Europe, if I am not mistaken. I'm so sorry if I am. And it is a quick correction, quick edit. So Finno-Jurgic refers to languages within that Samoyedic family. So that includes Hungarian, Finnish, and a handful of other languages um, within Russia and with Estonia. However, Basque, I'm right on the Wikipedia page now, Basque is a language isolate, so it's unrelated to any other existing languages. Very cool. Last note, this is the educated version of what I was trying to say. Quote, it is the last remaining descendant of one of the pre-Indo-European languages of prehistoric Europe. There we go. That is your little fun fact for the day. So, yeah, it was just actually very interesting to learn about that. Very different from what I was expecting. And I will post the YouTube video if you want to also go into a little rabbit hole of Hialeah and the Basque language. So back to the episode of my advice that we're all here for. Crockett asks about Morales again, and he rubs his mouth. Frank rubs his mouth, which kind of made me a little bit on edge because I was like, wait, that's always a tell. You know that people always have a tell when they're lying and definitely rubbing your mouth, touching your face. Just getting antsy is definitely one of those. Well, speaking of answers and information, Gina and Trudy are at a very stylish avant-garde club. Lots of neon. We are introduced to this club by a neon 
by a leopard print bodysuit. And of course, like Trudy said, the girls aren't going to tell them anything. Take a good look at her. Maybe you know somebody who's seen her around. I'm sorry, honey, but I never work without a fee. We're wasting our time. You got something better to do? Mm -hmm. uh, the first part of that clip is definitely not Gina's voice. And the song that's playing is You're Gonna Change by the Screaming Blue Messiahs. Now, one of my best dressed women is right there in the corner in the striped purple dress with purple gloves. It's like tiger print purple. <laughs> Love it. Love it. And now after that, we are back at the coffee shop where Crockett had Silva in the headlock. This time he's meeting up with Tubbs. Tubbs is telling him a little bit more of the background and showing him pictures of Batista. Remember, our Madame Isabel Batista Morales and another gentleman whose last name is Merida. And Merida is Morales' supplier. And not only that, Merida is the uncle to Isabel Batista. So this circle is getting lots of lines going through there, connecting this all together. Crockett Webb, before he sits down, mentions the barista, the same guy that he had last time. I believe it's the owner with the very fun sunglasses about the call that he's expecting a call. He gets a call later on and is Morales. Now, Morales finally wants to make this deal. Of course, Crockett and Tubbs are thrilled this is finally going down. After Morales hangs up, him and Isabel butt heads because they are definitely not on the same page. Please keep in mind the information that Morales received earlier from Frank that Crockett and Tubbs are cops. This is a mistake, Isabel. You don't kill cops. The heat will be incredible. I run our business in Miami. If it wasn't for your stupidity, we wouldn't be in this situation, you know. And if I didn't have that customs cop in the palm of my hands, you'd be serving 30 years in federal prison. Your uncle would not approve. Oh, please, whose idea do you think it was anyway? Now go, close the deal. Oh, man. So after that scene, we transition back where Crockett's calling Frank to tell him, quote in Crockett's words, good news about the deal, that it's finally going down. Frank, you would think he'd be a lot more excited, but since we know the real backstory, Frank just hangs up. Like, the line just goes blank. He knows that Croc and Tubbs are getting set up. And Frank goes to see the madam. She reminds him of the tape and that she's going to kill Croc and Tubbs unless she gets the custom codes that she wants. Then we cue a montage of the brothers, complete with pills, cocaine, alcohol, and Hyala. <laughs> and then Crockett and Tubbs are on their way as Burnett and Cooper to make the deal while the song Desire by Yellow plays in the background. You see Tubbs with his earpiece in, and Castillo does ask them before that they're wired. So meaning that they can get any information from the radio, what have you, while they're going to go to the rooftop to make this deal. Morales and Silvio are in this limousine waiting for Crockett and Tubbs to go make this deal. So we see the Testarossa Park pull in. And just at that time, the dispatch calls Castillo to let them know that they've received an emergency call from Ariola, Frank Ariola. Should he, she patch him through? Castillo says yes. He lets Castillo knows the trap. Castillo radios in to Crockett and Tubbs as soon as he gets that information to let them know it's a trap and the other car blows up. What's going on? In the first place. Maybe he was dirty. One of the best cops I ever met. Yeah, there were two uh, stiffs in the limo. One of them was your pal Silvio and the other was a Mr. Luis Morales. What the hell's going on? Whatever it is, Ariola knows more about it than we do. Oh, man. Well, speaking of Frank, he goes to check it on Tico. Not before Tico gets some, well, solid advice from his other high life players in this next clip. You still using that stuff, Tico? Is that why you're acting weird? You're not going to be playing much longer. You better listen to Benetico. This is a clean sport, and we want to keep it that way. What do you mind your own business? Maybe you'll become a better player oh, that way. 
side note, I was trying to find out who was this character. Was he actually a real highlight player, possibly a bass speaking highlight player? And I could do a little bit more research into him. But alas, no information. And now Frank, having you know, split up the fight, he wants to let Tico know that he plans to get the tape back tonight and that he wants Tico to promise him that he will not say a word about the tape, about the dead prostitute, about anything. Tico's obviously getting really concerned, but Frank reassures him and Tico reluctantly promises. Promise me. I'm afraid for you. No, I can't do it. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. You have to. Tico, you have to. I need your promise. I gotta go now. Tico, Tico, promise me. So from there, we leave a very conflicted Tico to go with Gina to another club where they weren't able to get much information from Batista's girls, but they were able to get a name of someone who they believe is a friend of Jan. When Gina marches up to this guy and asks her for information, he wants she wants to know if he's seen this woman. He's like, nah, nah, nah. And then he puts it on real smooth. And keep in mind, please go to the gallery. He is wearing an unbuttoned blue silk shirt with chains as well. My favorite fashion theme of this episode. And when she pulls out the badge, she's like, man, you should just let with that. <laughs> then we have a Shannon song playing in the background. And so Gina goes back to the green room or dressing room to talk with one of the dancers at this club. I don't want to say it's a burlesque club because they seem to be fully clothed, but it seems to be a little risque. There is a blonde woman smoking in the quote unquote pervert's row, the first row. (laughs) But then you see like couples going around. So I'm not really sure of the vibe of this club, just like a sexy summer club. There is, however, my favorite shot of the episode is Gina walking up the stairs with all the neon behind her. And you see the palm tree insignia on the walls, just like million dollar shot. Now, the dancer, I love her look, it is incredibly overdone. There is just way too much makeup, like perfectly drawn on eyebrows, blue eyeshadow, shiny highlighter, these long, dangly, sparkly earrings, and even in her hair, which is like fully puffed up and teased, you kind of get glitter strands all in there. And she's not really friends with Jan, but she does have a little bit more information than any other woman was willing to divulge in this next clip. After she got into alcohol, she had some important jobs, mostly for athletes. She liked to brag. She also used to like to laugh about their um, idiosyncrasies, if you know what I mean. Like knocking her around? (laughs) Beats me. She used to laugh about this one jock whose eyes are bigger than... And he couldn't get it on. He got a little upset. Who is this guy? Football. A highlight. Some highlight player. Well, everything just clicked on for Gina because as Crockett's at OCB kind of get a little frustrated again, he never heard back from Frank about all this that had gone down. Then when Castillo relays this information that Tico, Frank's brother, has something to do with the murdered sex worker, everything kind of comes together. So naturally, Crockett and Tubbs race over to the High Life Fronton. So do the police come. And you see Tico in that scene... His world is just getting closer and closer and closer as he's closing in. And at the meantime, Frank is on his way to Batista's house. But this is what it sounds like for Tico. And it's during that scene where he's looking around, he sees Crockett and Tubbs, he sees the Metro Dade police officers, and he knows that this is it for him. 
and he doesn't want to give up his brother. And it's not really confirmed what his thought process was. We just see him, the shot of the ball. Again, this is going over 100 miles an hour. The shot of the ball just coming towards him and it appears that he just freezes. So is it suicide? We have no idea. Or was he just paralyzed by fear of his whole world coming undone? Because like he said, his life is high a lie and he doesn't have anything else. And then if anything were to happen to his brother, he would really have nothing. So it's actually quite sad. It's even sadder knowing that while I never approve of anyone putting their hands on a woman, he didn't actually kill her and that this is all a setup to get close to his brother to get the customs codes. Well, after Tito is hit by the ball, he is gravely injured. We see Crockett and we see Tubbs race to him and we see him whisper words to Crockett as his dying words. And in true season three fashion, he tilts his head a little bit to the side, which symbolizes that he is dead. But this is what he is able to tell Crockett before he passes. I said something about Frank and a tape and Isabel Batista. She killed Morales. And now things start to click for Crockett. The tape, Isabel Batista and Frank. Crockett and Tubbs race over to go see Batista while Mercy Street by Peter Gabriel is playing in the background. Tubbs calls Castillo once they've all figured this out on Crockett's fancy new car phone that has light up lime background colors on the keys to let him know that Frank is also on his way to Batista's and that he is more than likely planning to kill her. But let's listen a little bit of Peter Gabriel before we get to the end. That him refers to Frank, who has arrived at Batista's, and Batista has ordered her security guard to search him as she goes upstairs to play solitaire and drink by herself while she watches TV. (laughs) If she wasn't so evil, this would be a woman after my own heart, right? Like, we would be making fast friends. Now she sees the news that Tico has died in the freak accident. But keep in mind that Frank has no idea. Crockett and Tubbs obviously knows, but Frank has no idea. So once he arrives, he gives Isabel those customs codes to placate her and keep her happy. And so he can try to get the tape back. However, after he gives her the codes, she orders him killed because she has no use for him anymore. Now that Tico is dead... There's no need to leverage anything against him. Just as that happens, Crockett and Tubbs come out of nowhere. We have another shootout. Again, I don't like this new technique they're using in the shot where it's kind of freeze frame. Like it kind of doesn't make me nauseous, but it's just it's very weird looking. The only thing that does look cool is that when I do take screenshots for the podcast that I can a- I am able to get like a very bright light emanating from this quote unquote gunshot from the scene. But aside from that, it doesn't do anything to my eyes, doesn't do anything to the story. I don't really like it. I don't know why they brought it in. It doesn't look cool. However, at the end, no one else is standing. Our super buff female security guard unfortunately has been in the dust, but Frank has Isabel in a lock and using her And she's freaking out. She's saying that Tico never killed the sex worker, that it was, you know, that she was alive when he left. Really confusing Frank. And this is when Frank sees the news that Tico has passed away. And you can see how upset he is. And Crockett also knew, and he does feel bad for not telling Frank in advance, but kind of not the time to bring up why didn't you tell me the equation and Crockett just warns Frank not to do anything that he could put so many things at risk if he kills her but he also knows how upset he is and 
It's during this time that Isabel does break free. And as Crockett is screaming out, no, no, to Frank, begging him not to do anything, he turns around, fires off. We're assuming shooting Isabel in the back as the TV pans back to the news about Tico. And we freeze frame on a clip of Tico playing Hialai. And that's the end of the episode. Pardon me for the fast transitions. My laptop is about to die. My recording studio, quote unquote, a.k.a. my closet slash bathroom, uh, doesn't have a charger. So I have to get through these as quickly as possible. So do bear with me. Fashion, we have a lot in this episode. It's very tough for me to pin down because we also have some great decor. So if you go to the gallery, obviously my favorite decor interiors, I'm kind of split between the brothel with Tico and Jan, and then also Gina at the second club where she's able to talk to the dancer in the back. Just the neon pink and green lights and the palm trees and everything and that shot of Gina walk up the stairs and then the gif of her going through the curtain, just chef's kiss. Then best decor exterior, obviously, is going to be the Biscayne Bar liquor store that I mentioned, just kind of hearkening back to the pilot of making a call at a payphone, something that's so antiquated that we'll never get the chance to really do again with neon kind of glowing in the background. Now, best accessory, I have one for men and women for women, naturally Trudy with the earrings that I mentioned back at OCB. And then the barista, not only with the hat on top of the takeout cups, but with those sunglasses. I had sunglasses that kind of shape that I actually bought in Miami in around 2010. So that really does warm my heart. Oh, this is really tough. So I'm going to split these a little bit. Best dressed woman. Definitely going to go to my girl at the club in the purple choker gloves and tiger print dress my best dressed man is going to be morales when we first meet him on the yacht with those silver pants <laughs> and then the best fashion trend this episode men with long flowing hair not that long but like flowy mullets with silk blue shirts unbuttoned complete with chains <laughs> best look of this episode now, I don't really have any advice to you, but I did get some research on the guest stars. So Frank and Tico were both telenovela stars, and Tico Fernando Allende is actually quite well known. He is also on Mexican Dynasties, which was kind of a f- Bravo show. I don't want to say it was Housewives. It was kind of more reality than... Housewives adjacent, not that Housewives in reality, but it was basically about three very prominent families in Mexico City. So Allende's family, his wife and his children and his in-laws were featured on that show. And he has his own production studio and still very prominent working actor today. Whereas Frank was a Puerto Rican actor who, again, was also very popular in telenovelas, doesn't come to the same level as Fernando Allende. In fact, there's not even a picture on his IMDb, which is a shame. But the girl, Jan, the sex worker, she has a very interesting IMDb. The one that stuck out the most was that she was on Dexter, and I believe she was Angel's sister. I'm going to go back, and I want to say that might have been the Edward James almost season. So if so, that is like a little Miami Vice trifecta. And of course, like I've complained before, Dexter was only filmed in Miami the first couple episodes, and then they moved production to Long Beach. And that's actually quite common, where locations that look like Miami are really Long Beach. They did the same thing in Niptuck. But Fernando Allende, all-around good guy from everything I could find on the internet. And very prominent in the 80s. He was also, after he moved to America, he was on Flamingo Road. What is the name of the show? I'm going to find it one second. Yes, I was right. Flamingo Road as a Morgan Fairchild's lover. Oh, I kind of want to go see if that's streaming. (laughs) All right. Now, music. There are a lot of songs in this episode eight. So a little fun fact, it's actually tied with the most amount of songs per episode with Back in the World, one of my favorite episodes for music because it is all songs by The Doors. 
Now, most of the songs I did include clips of for the episode. So, opening song was Eminence Front by The Who. Then we have Real Wild Child by Iggy Pop. It's very funny that Iggy was such like a punk pioneer coming out of Detroit. And then we mostly know him from Sandals and Club Med commercials. <laughs> Respalata by Billy Willie and Bachiche. I'm going to pronounce that right. At the food, at the, they say food stand. I think it's a cafe. And then You're Gonna Change by the Screaming Blue Messiahs. That's when Judy and Tr- uh, Gina and Trudy, oh my God, Gina and Trudy try to get some information from the other girls. Then we have Falsa when we go back to the coffee shop. Then, like I said, Desire by Yellow when Crockett and Tubbs are going to make that deal with Morales, the setup. Do You Want to Get Away by my girl Shannon. Again, Let the Music Play is one of my all-time favorite songs, especially as a teenage girl who would have a crush on a guy and then watch them dance with another girl at dances. And this was, for some reason, a very common theme for me. I think also kind of... What's it called? Um, When you basically kind of will it so like, oh, my God, what's it called? Not manifest destiny. I'll figure it out. Why am I being annoying? And we close out with some more Peter Gabriel by the song Mercy Street. And as we wrap up this episode, I'm so sorry. Usually I like to leave you with a little bit more, but I'm definitely going to give you my quote of the episode. First, I want to thank you all for listening, subscribing, finding me on all things social at Vice and Easy Podcast, for leaving leaving five-star reviews, for leaving nice reviews, for leaving nice DMs, all that fun stuff. It all really means a lot to me and it keeps me going. I do this all for love and I love getting all the feedback from fellow Miami Vice fans. Don't forget it is free to stream on Tubi in the United States. As we close this episode, thank you so much for listening. As always, programming note, I will probably be taking next week off. I did happen to enroll myself into three different bartending competitions. Thank you so much for supporting me as always. Quote of the episode, and then we'll sign off. Thank you so much. Go play high a lie. Become a champion. This is such like immigrant parent advice. Why are you sad? You have dual citizenship. Why are you sad? You don't have communists come to get to your village. Go play high lie. Become a champion. So for all of you this week, go play high lie. Become a champion. And I'll see you in two weeks. Thank you as always. Hey man, Miami Wise is number one new show.